0: Welcome to the Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Welcome to the Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Today, we're actually doing a clip show. So this is from a bunch of conversations I've had with rookies over the past year. And we thought we'd just highlight some of those key points. This a fun episode to do that we like to do at the end of the year. Uh, before we jump into that, I'm going to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform. Very easy for borrowers to use as they're filling that application out. It's automatically knowing what documents the client needs. The thing that they've also discovered is that when people are filling out the applications, they're often gathering up documents because they don't know the answers to fill it out. And Finmo, as soon as you hit the send button, it knows what documents to ask for and sends them a notification. And we have found that lots of time our agents are actually getting documents right with the application, which makes your job significantly easier. Also, when you log into Finmo as a broker, you can search Lender Spotlight for rates and guidelines. And then you can also, when you go to hit submit, it pulls key data and creates smart submission notes. Check them out at lendesk.com Finmo. All right. In this first segment, I talked to Laura Beam on where she found her first 10 files a couple of key takeaways from this conversation. Why brokering is not black and white. She talks about an underwriting income tip, which I think is great, and how she let her friends and family know she became an agent. Can you share a file that you lost when you first started out? You can think back and be like, oh, if I would have known this or would done this different, I would have kept the file. I'd love to share because I like people to see that as a you know learning opportunity.
1: I think there's just been a couple where people have come to me, and this is kind of at the beginning stages where you're answering questions. And one thing I have learned being an agent is as much as they try to teach you in the course that everything's black and white, race was a 39, 44. But when you go to Scotia, you can get an exception. They don't teach you that, right? So at the beginning, I'm a rule follower. So following those guidelines, and then you find out kind of six months later, oh, Scotia will allow you exceptions. And you're kind of going back to the drawing board on what you were thinking in that circumstance.
0: Right. right. Yeah, That makes a lot of sense. Actually, it is not black and white. If it was one plus one is two, they wouldn't even need people to do it. They could do the software. Mm-hmm. And the thing I think people don't often don't realize is how much the relationship matters oh, with yes. that lender. Like the lender yep. relationship, if they like you and you have a good relationship, you're going to get more yeses. Yep. If they don't, it's going to be harder. So can you share like, what's your best underwriting tip or something that you've learned recently that's been, you know, in, on the underwriting side that you're like, huh, I didn't know this. And now this has been a useful thing. I'm just curious if you have something
1: making sure you understand the requirements for each income type. So that file that I was actually just referring to with the exception that we had to go back, it was a older couple, believe it or not, they were in their eighties and I had qualified them both on income, pension income and assets. And on the income perspective, one of their pensions was a fluctuating income and I had qualified them using their T4. So when I provided the bank statements, that's when the bank realized that the income fluctuated from month to month. So then I had to go get another exception. So I would just say, making sure you understand for every single income type, what the requirements are so that you're making sure you're submitting the right paperwork and qualifying the property. the file was strong it was okay but we just had to go back for an exception on our original submission on the file
0: right so income type makes the documents change and really you better make sure you've got that nailed how do you decide which institution the best place to send a file i'm curious with that what is your thought process or model that you use to figure out where to send files
1: It's funny, I would say it is evolving as I go forward, but I think sometimes it depends on the circumstance. So, as an example, if I need a quick turnaround file, I'm going to MCAP. So, it doesn't matter if Scotia has a better rate, or there's another lender that has a better rate. If I need a quick turnaround file, I'm going to go to MCap because I know I'll have a commitment back in a few hours that's almost fully underwritten, if not fully underwritten at that time. So I've tried to allow clients to push me into different products or lenders before, i.e. I want to go with a bank when I should have pushed back given the timing saying we don't have the time to go to Scotia and wait for weeks for a commitment and to go back and forth. So really understanding that it's not just about even the product or the rate, but also what kind of service are you going to get? Does that lender have technology that you need to support extra payments, things like that?
0: Right. And where does your business come from?
1: All referral-based, primarily referrals from friends and family. So when I joined the business, I actually sent out Three hundred different emails to friends and family or close contacts, letting them know. That was my that- next
0: question. I was going to say is, how did your friends and family know what you were doing? So, was it a one to one email or one to many?
1: I won't tell them I did this podcast. But it was a copied and pasted that sounded like it was one to many. Oh, that's so okay. Changed, but you I've did have, but they the- were
0: actually sent one to one. You just oh yeah, I didn't do facts.
1: one blanket email. I changed each one. Like, hey Scott, how are the kids?
0: Right,
1: I've gone on vacations
0: um, lately. yeah So, from the three hundred emails, what kind of responses did you get?
1: I would say some immediate responses back, like just chatting. I would say it had to look, but I would say all of those 10 either came directly from those emails or people that I had sent those emails to that had then referred me to other friends and family.
0: Okay. So that list, and then you don't have to get into specifics. So what did you say in the email? So if I'm your friend and you're sending me an email and I know you as a Nielsen rating girl, and you're like, you know, all about the TV, what did you say to get people to pay attention
1: explained mostly the reasons that I had made because it's a really big change for me working in the corporate industry for like over 20 years and obviously being self-employed. So talking a little bit about the change and why i made it, which is kind of my personal passion for the financial industry and the real estate industry.
0: Okay. So you made it a personal message, but also talking about your passion and did you ask for business or did you say, if you know anybody or how would you do there?
1: Yeah. So in the beginning, I think I said, like, if you know anyone that needs my services, let me know. I would say over time, as I continue to do reach outs uh, with people, it's asking more targeted questions. Like if you know anyone that's moving, because a lot of people, of course, almost everyone needs the mortgage, right? Or most people need a mortgage. You're not going to just start right. referring. To you got to go
0: specific and it's too difficult for people to yeah. be like, you know, I know lots of anybody's, but who's the specific right. somebody that I can think about.
1: Right. So the moving one is easy because you know when people are moving, right? For the most part, there's a sign on their lawn or they're talking to right. you as opposed to like my mortgage is up for renewal. That doesn't happen. Oh, that's a often.
0: good question to ask. Yeah. Moving. And then how often are you doing the follow up You did the 300 emails. How long did that take you approximately? And then how often are you following up with these people?
1: I think I set a goal for myself to have that done in kind of six-ish weeks and I was working at the same time. So I think I did that over like six weeks to two months. I would not say, actually, I have been great on friends and family follow-up. Instead, what I'm doing is now reaching out to referral partners, whether they're realtors or accountants or investment planners, things like that. I'm doing that on a daily basis.
0: All right. That was awesome. In this next segment, I talked to Matt Cook, who's the number one Scotia underwriter in the country. did something like 1,600 mortgages in 2021, which is crazy. Have a listen to this, and um, he shares a couple of key points that you really need to think about if you're a rookie, importance of relationships, how to top brokers, improve your funding ratios. This will be a good segment for you to learn from Matt.
2: And so what's the most number of files that you've worked on at one time? So (laughs) I would say last year, I did about 1,620 deals last year. I would say each and every day, I literally had 100 deals in my queue. There was no end in sight for most of that year. So really all you do is you just put your head down and just work away one task at a time. But each day there was a hundred deals in my queue, nonstop. Okay. So dude,
0: that's an insane number of mortgages. First off, like amazing. What's advice you have for a broker who's working with Scotia so they can get more files approved? So like, if you could sit here and talk to a broker who's working with a Scotia BRM, knowing what your side looks like, give me some ideas and things we could do to improve our success rate.
2: Well, first things first, I think the relationship is the most important thing, you know, speaking on the phone or, at, or meeting up with your broker, just to get an idea of where they're coming from, where you're coming from, is probably the most important thing to do. Once you eliminate that barrier and are having conversations, it makes the whole process a lot easier. For brokers coming in, data integrity is always key. Make sure that everything is down to the scent, making sure you have your employment information correct in there and the hours and terms making sure you have detailed notes and providing docs up front. You know, if there's something wrong with the docs, say for instance, the income's a little bit lower than what's stated in the application, the agent should be advising as to why that's happening. So if I'm getting information and clarification on the docs that I'm getting right up front, right off the bat, you're already getting a smooth commitment. Whereas if I'm underwriting a deal and the agent's notes are, hey, clean deal, please approve and I come back with a whole bunch of questions, then it's just going to be in delay with that mortgage Yeah, because now if you've
0: got 100 files in your queue, now you're bouncing back. Try to get it through the first time. So what is something that like the top brokers that you work with that crush lots of loans with you, what is something that they do that you wish other people did?
2: Conversations up front, for sure. Uh, usually I usually get a phone call from my brokers to discuss the deal right off the bat. If and it then once, once on we have idea, that- But if there's something, if there's a nuance, you don't talk on every single file, but like we're talking- No, like, no. Yeah, right. But- most of the time, it's just really docs up front, data integrity, you know, information provided that provides clarification on the entire deal. That just makes the job more efficient. One of my biggest teams is RMA down in London. Last year, they did about three hundred million with me, and they were really, really efficient last year. They left me alone and didn't inundate me with emails and docs because they knew, you know, the amount of volumes that we were getting last year. So, you know, they'll give me full packages. They'll provide information all the time. It's more of a me just approving the deal rather than having to go back and forth with them. That makes it easier for you. And then you get files approved. You know, what's interesting. You said the first thing
0: your answer was relationships important that even though we're in a business where underwriting is not just one plus one equals two, because Uh if it was, they have software that does it. There is a human element to this currently anyway, that still needs to look at it and make sense of it. And so the relationship is absolutely critical. You know, I I always tell Jim Falunca says when his underwriter from Scotia calls, he puts his clients on hold. He's like, if my underwriter calls, I'm going to answer the phone for my underwriter because my underwriter is working on lots of my files. This is just one file. And I think more brokers, they need to understand how this business actually works. Oh, hundred percent. It is total relationship. It's the middle word of my title, right? Right. That's right. That's true. Okay. So how does somebody get good at underwriting? So somebody's listening to this like this, you know,
2: how do I actually get good at underwriting? What would your suggestions be? Years of experience, confidence, Education as well. I've taken several courses in the past in order to get to where I am. I've taken real estate law classes, taken the underwriting foundation class back when this was 14 courses rather than the current mortgage agent course. And I've taken the mortgage agent course a couple of times as well. Experience in understanding deals, understanding credit, and you know, just having those conversations with brokers as well. You learn a lot from brokers just from an underwriting perspective. The education though is a big key. If you don't have the education in understanding what you're doing in terms of for mortgages it's a little bit difficult to get into it and it's like learning another language it's kind of like learning like spanish or something because it's got its yeah. own whole
0: and it's got all these exceptions it's not like it's completely and oh by the way that language changes when the rules change and the government changes or the lenders so it's even more complex right
2: oh yeah it's a um, constant learning process if you could change it what kind of things would you do to improve the new broker training that we have I honestly think it needs to be a lot more robust. You know, I've studied the books. I've gone to the courses and I've taken a look at the online course. I'm not a big fan of the online course. I don't even know if they actually still do calculations, which is huge because you can't understand the difference between how to calculate GDS and TDS and you got a big problem. There also needs to be a sales marketing aspect of the program as well. I don't think that comes into play at all in the education that's provided. I think it's like one chapter within the book. Honestly, in class as well. I love in class because you learn a lot more of being in class and talking to one another rather than, you know, going online and doing the education online. I just find it very, very difficult to be able to retain and understand the processes that you're working. Right. And it's just an expansion of stuff, adding real estate law in there as well. You know, real estate law is huge in terms of mortgages and understanding it from the solicitor's perspective as well you know, learning from an origination perspective, you can't read a title or search or a parcel register or even understand what happens in terms of, you know, telling the difference between a regular legal description or a meets and bounds legal description, so to speak. There's a lot that needs to be added to the program just to get to a person where they should be in terms of a mortgage agent or underwriter.
0: All right. So in this next segment, I talked to Wilma Payne on funding 11 mortgages in just 165 days. She actually broke the rookie record for our company, Bricks. And Wilma's just doing amazing, even past this conversation that we had. This was earlier this year. She also talked about how she dealt with adversity and her biggest takeaway from our Rookie to Rockstar program. So tell me about, because you broke our record. So we had a record for the most like because <laughs> um, our whole thing is help you find your first 10 mortgages you did 11 because you just like you want to do a little more than 10 so you did 11 how long did that take you
3: 165 days
0: you did 165 but it, you actually could have done it quicker right like you were because yeah. you were messaging me and i was like how's it going and you were like tell me about what happened there
3: i was supposed to do it in 158 days. Well, initially when I joined, I put a challenge to myself like, mm, it's good to be nice. My goal is to be the first to graduate, right? Among my bachelor's. Yep. So that I put that as, you know, my, one of my goals. So, and like, I really did plan for it. And then 158 days I was supposed to complete 10, but unfortunately that was a refinance and there was a delay in the home insurance. And
0: in how many days That's was this? 158?
3: 158. Right.
0: 158, right.
3: 158 okay. days. Yeah. So it was pushed back by a week. So that's why it became 165 days. And right, then- but it was
0: still enough that Jeff's like, sorry, you got this <laughs> wrong. And I, I, somebody's going to come along, they might be listening to this right now and say, Well, you're going down and you know what? We'll high five you. I
3: will be happy to hear somebody, you know, it's like, uh, what do you call this? Jeff was very inspiring too, right? So Mm because like when I'm seeing that I'm easily, what do you call this, finish first with the same colleagues who uh, who joined at the same time as myself. And I thought like, "Mm, what's Jeff's record? Maybe I should also. So you're just going to be the first in your class.
0: And instead you're like, I'm going to actually be, you know, get the record. So (laughs) that's amazing. So where did the business come from? So you got 11 mortgages funded. Where did that original mortgage business come from?
3: Well, it's a combination of realtor referrals, family referrals, friends, and former colleagues. So,
0: so what does your pipeline look like now? So like as of today, how many funded are there? Is it 11 or is it a different number? Uh,
3: well, I have 11 funded and I have four scheduled to be funded this month. So, Okay, I'll so you be at so 15, 15 at the 15 end of this tonight. month. Yeah. And
0: then where's that business coming from?
3: Those business are one referred by a friend. Well, two actually found me on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. And then one was referred by a realtor.
0: And we were chatting with this before turned on. So like, are you getting referrals from realtors? Like,
2: how is that going? Yes.
3: Actually, for now, most of the files I'm working on are approximately, probably like 70% are realtor referrals. Right. When I was doing the referred realtor presentation. So what I noticed is that like as soon as after the presentation, the realtors immediately refer clients. Uh, how
0: many presentations did you do you know
3: not much yet (laughs) because I couldn't cope you got busy yeah Yeah. yeah, it's okay you're having
0: success I mean everybody's situation is different but so like how many did you do I think
3: I've done like seven seven that's it
0: wow like if you do 30 you're going to need to get an assistant like you will will not. you know that will be your challenge if you're like if you decide that you want to continue to push but it's up to you to kind of figure that out
3: I'm actually putting that as well in my calendar, scat. So what I need to do is allocate a specific time, even just one or two presentations per week. Cause currently I, what they call this, I tend to be more focused on the files, especially if they're, you know, the clients are already made an offer, right? What I would like to do next is to really arrange so that I could have a balance just to make sure there's still like referrals, you know, coming in.
0: Yeah. You gotta do a bit of prospecting and a bit of working. There's like a shifting. You've got a few things you have to do to be successful. And so- That's amazing. So was there any point that you questioned that this was the right career for you that you were like, ah, what was I thinking? Like, you know,
3: yeah during the first year because I thought it was easier right because I see that a lot of people are buying houses so I thought it's going to be easier like to get clients right but apparently it's not so at some point I thought of like did I make the right decision of you know jumping into this new career wherein I don't have any background or not really familiar
0: and no connections Um, really either I mean it's not like you have you don't have family that has a real estate office or there's no like you don't have some, you know, significant advantage that you could get, you know, yeah. Plus,
3: what do you call this? I'm new in Canada, right? And I'm not a very outgoing person. I just work home office. And then when my husband's on days off, we just stay in Alberta Beach, right? So I don't yeah. really socialize that much. So it was a bit challenging for me during the first year. And I I was questioning myself, What like, did I make the right decision to jump into a new career? And then in January, when I moved to our brokerage, I had two files. My first two files, I lost them with a the bank. I'm yep. like, oh my god, what's this trying to tell me? But I just go back to you know what my original plan when I jump into the mortgage business. I told myself there's no turning back, I right. have to make this big. And like my way of motivating myself is if others can, and I can I do it as, as well. Yep. Yeah, that's and like that, when, is whenever that, I feel, that is absolutely
0: true. That is absolutely yeah. true. If somebody else can do it, you can do
3: it. Yeah, whenever I, I'm having those doubts, so I just you know. Like I'll pick up myself again and say like, okay, if others can do it, I can do it too.
0: So yeah. for you, what was the biggest takeaway from the Rookie to Rockstar program that's helped your business?
3: Okay, I think um, it's the mindset. Yeah. And the writing, well, we have like, what I've mentioned, like the reason why I moved to our brokerage is because of the holistic training. So like complete training in sales, underwriting, you know, those budget training. But I think the mindset is very important because it's also an experience, right? No matter how much knowledgeable you are in underwriting the file and no matter how good you are in sales, if you don't have the right mindset, you won't move forward.
0: All right. Hopefully you found that inspiring, that conversation with Wilma. In this next segment, I talked to Brandon Love about how he was a farmer Uh, Became a mortgage broker, went through a Rookie to Rockstar program, and after getting his 10th mortgage funded, it only took him 126 days to make $100,000 in his first commission, which is amazing. Have a lesson, very inspiring story. I was just looking at your date. So it looks like you 10th file funded on May 6th. So from September 22nd to May 6th, and then from there, May 6th till, do you remember when you went to 100% commission? Because with us, when you get 100K in commission, you go, you slip to 100%. Split, how long did that take?
4: I um, think it was last pay period or the period before. So, September, a week from tomorrow, September 9th kind of thing. I think I crossed that threshold 126 I, I know, I, days. I, yeah, so, so basically, the first 10 is the hardest, as you probably agree yeah, yeah. to that, right?
0: The first time, like, oh my gosh, this, this is so hard, and then you got to 100k in 126 days, which is flipping amazing, dude. And so did you have any like connections? Like, you know, did your farm business give you access to real estate agents or, you know, builders no. or any of that kind of thing?
4: No, I just uh, honestly just connected. I followed the program. and I just connected with realtors and did my presentation, did some follow-up, stayed in touch with everyone and just built it organically from there. And then it's really been those kind of like core realtors who I work really well with just now fueling the where,
0: So where does your business come from right now? Like, what if you look at the, you know, that first hundred K you did, where did that come from?
4: I would say a grand of it would be like just striking up conversations. And then the other 99, all realtors. So yeah, it's it's largely all realtor based.
0: Right. I got 99 problems or no, I don't know how to, I can't even figure out how to do something with that. There's something there. If I had more creativity, Okay. So what are kind of some of the things that you've learned now? And like, it's been, we're coming up to a year here pretty quick, actually. So you're going to be at your first year in like, you know, seven days or a week. Or today. A week, yeah, or week today. Today. yeah, a week. You're going to be. A... So looking back now, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in that first year?
4: I think key takeaways for me, was just really in the beginning. It's a lot like drinking from a fire hose. Like there's so much you're learning and there's so much you're trying to pull off at the same time. Mm -hmm. and you know you're sticking your fork in one plate and trying to bite and you're never actually getting anything of substance out of it and then so i really pared it down and said okay if i could focus on one thing what would that be and just do that one thing over and over again until i got very good at it and just rinse and repeat so for me my days pretty much all are cookie cutter and now school's back in so i get up i have breakfast with my daughter i walk her to school I do my initial like review and update with clients. And then I just start reaching out to realtors in my immediate database. And then from there, work on my files. And if I have that extra hour, I'll just start making calls again. So it's more so just like the consistency over and over again was the key thing to not try to add something new to it. Like this shiny object thing. Just keep doing what's working over and over again.
0: That's where it comes back to your farming mentality. You don't go every day. How can I be creative with
4: this farm? It's like, no, you water you you know fertilize weed and repeat exactly right. and it's a lot of the same thing like you plant a seed and like you know 50 to 120 days later you're going to harvest it's a lot like networking or like meeting realtors or even working with clients like you have to have that initial touch point and then there's the upkeep the watering the weeding fertilizing, whatever that and might be. rid of the, oh,
0: this is a bad one. You know,
4: maybe we're not going to do Yeah, discussion. yeah, You're a Exactly. Back. You got to go. Thinning oh. the crops. And then you hopefully have a harvest. And just like farming, not everything you plant comes up. Like I, <laughs> I lost more than my fair share of crops too. So just having that mindset of constantly putting things out there and like keep trying to have it for the return down the line, I think is there's right. a lot of comparisons. And
0: the thing is, is, really, a successful mortgage business looks a lot like Groundhog Day. You know, it's like you wake up, same song on the radio, you go to work, you do the same things. And I've heard it said before, what you want is you want a boring business and exciting life because the business to work, you can't be doing 50 different things. You can't be like, I'm going to try this and this and this, because it never works. You just don't get any, you know, be like every other week you dug up the things you planted and planted new stuff or just plant it beside it and go, let's see, let's race and see which one does better. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's just a catastrophe. So but uh, that's very interesting. Okay, so what other sort of advice would you give yourself now, you know, one year in or just about one year to your one week self?
4: I would say one week self. I would not focus on trying to learn a bunch of different lenders and programs. I would pick kind of your go-to like a lender, like your go-to bank, your go-to model line, and then an alternative option and just like really have the knowledge of those products. And then from there, just focus on, you know, your are scripting and making your calls, practicing with other agents, your family, whatever it might be, just getting kind of dialed into that language a lot. Like what Steve was saying and really focusing on that. Like I started taking a lot of notes and saying, okay, well in the call, this went well, or I said this and like totally lost the client. You could tell and just kind of noticing those things. Once I focused on that, my results got so much better
0: you basically started to observe yourself and you coached yourself in a way by just taking notes and going, okay, what worked, what didn't." And then I think that's a good practice in any case. It's just like, sometimes you I'll find you'll do something on a call. you like, that was so good. And then other yeah. times you were like, oh, that was not good. That didn't work. And then you just try and like, you know, adjust and improve. And that's interesting. So what's something recently that maybe an adjustment you've made to your discovery call that you found was helpful for you? I'm curious. Or it doesn't have to be discovery um, call, but I'm thinking about like, cause again, I know you're observing all these things. So what's an area that you're like, ah, I'm going to make this a little tweak and I feel like it's working better.
4: Yeah. I found that sometimes things would flow and the client would be at the point where they're ready to do the application. And I don't know why I was just like kept talking. And I felt like sometimes I was overselling myself Mm -hmm. and now I get them to a point where it's like, Hey, we're ready to roll on the application. I just stop. And I'm just like, Hey, shut up, Brandon, let them take the next step and then go from there. You don't have to keep adding on to the situation. Yeah, I've done that too. It's like,
0: oh, and plus we do, and we do this and then yeah. you just keep, and they're like, hey, I was in and now I'm out because you sound like you're really trying too hard. And now I'm like, it creates this like vibe in the back of your head. So you can actually oversell, right? Where yeah. they're in, just assume they're in and move on to the next step.
4: And if yeah, resistance, then you can stop and say, you know, what's up, right? For uh, sure. And I think that was just like a case. Like I really enjoy working with the clients and like working on the file. So I was getting kind of like stoked myself and then like, Got to dial that energy back a bit. So.
0: All right, hopefully, you found some insights from that. And this last segment is actually just me and I'm sharing about the top three lessons that we learned from funding $178 million in rookie volume in the first 12 months. And then the three lessons from running a brokerage where we were focused on rookies. Have a listen to that and check it out. So, we launched the Rookie to Rockstar program in August 1st, 2021. And in that first 12 months, our rookies funded $146,873,530. Once graduating, so we had a bunch of our rookies, not all of them, a bunch of them graduated, which is to us funding 10 mortgages. And the rookies that did 10 mortgages, they did another 31490800 So all that comes to $178,364,330. The blog post is going to break this down in a lot more detail, but I wanted to just share with you the specific numbers. A couple things that we learned from this. And so in this blog post, we intend to do one once a month where we just share with you what's working, what's not. We try stuff. Some things doesn't work. Some things do. We're committed to experimenting. We're committed to growth. And so you can go check that out. But in any case, so what are the couple of the things that worked? So first was the live Zoom support room. So what is that? One of the things when I talked to rookie mortgage brokers that they told me that was a challenge is that they had a great mentor. The mentor may have a ton of experience. Maybe the mentor does 50 million a year. And knows their mortgages. The problem is the mentor does 50 mil a year. And when the rookie would get a file or get a new lead, depending on how busy that mentor was, they may or may not be able to get a hold of them. So they got this person, they got this amazing resource that they can't get a hold of. And some people told me it would take sometimes multiple days. So if you can imagine you get a referral, but you don't know what to do with it yet because you're new, but you got to get a hold of your mentor. But your mentor is busy and they keep pushing it off. And so what if you take too long, and this happened to some of our agents before they came to us, the person would leave. They'd be like, look, you're taking too long, I'm going somewhere else. And so then what happens is you lose the client, lose your confidence, it's even worse. And so I realized that the mentorship model doesn't work because mentors, good mentors are busy. And so how do we solve that? So what we decided to do is commit to having, we've got four full-time underwriters, two that are in live Zoom rooms, 40 hours a week. So our agents can literally come in anytime when they have a file, you know, in those hours and be like, Hey, I got a new lead that came in. Here's the questions. Here's the file. Here's the letter of employment. Here's the pay stub. And we look at it with them and we coach them through it. And we say, okay, yeah, here's what you need to go ask them. Go get this. And so, literally, these rookies are able to compete against much more experienced brokers because they have a brain of somebody who's got ten years and thousands of files experience that they have access to in real time. Much different than having a mentor who, sure, they may have a great brain, but can you get a hold of them? That underwriting support room was, I think, a game changer for us and extremely useful. And you know, it was hard though, and you know, this was much more challenging than I expected. Honestly, I thought, oh, we could get this figured out in six months. It took us a year. And it took us a while to find the right mix of process and people and all that in order to get this. But the team we have right now is amazing. And, you know, I think in knowing what I know now, if I were to start again today from scratch, I think that that number would have been even bigger. I think we would have done more than 178 million, probably 200 with rookies. And sadly, we did not lose some files that we would not have lost if, you know, if I had known how to put this together better. And then I think that we could have done better. But as a aggregate, I think that to me, the live Zoom support worked really, really well. I was the first thing the second thing is is that i had to put significantly more structure on the training so if you don't know much about me so i've been in the mortgage business since 2006 i've been training mortgage brokers for the last five years and my focus has been on training experienced brokers and normally i say you got to 100k a year and then i can help you get to two or if you're two i can help you get to three but zero to 100 is really hard like really really hard because there's a lot to learn and you got to figure out a lot of things and so i've avoided training rookies up until recently because of that challenge. But So we have a lot of videos and a lot of content. We've got a lot of live calls as well. I think seven or eight live training calls a week that our agents can attend. And the last count was 156 training videos. And so I was like, oh, this is great. Problem is they can get lost. They're like, okay, there's a lot of content to consume. And so a few months after starting the brokerage, I started reaching out to our agents, asking questions, where are you at? What are you working on? And they tell me things that I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, why are you still working on that? Like, you should have done that like a long time ago. And I realized... The problem was, is that if you imagine remember, like one of those big hotels in Vegas, it's got the long hallway with doors off to the left and right. Well, that's what our training was like. And people were getting stuck in these little rooms instead of a room, it's a training and so I had to put a lot more structure into the training. And so I spent about four months creating something called the hundred day challenge, which is every day when a new agent comes to us, a rookie, we put them through this challenge where they get an email and video training every day. It's day one, this is what you need to do. Day two, day three. And the whole idea is to build a referral based mortgage business as quickly as possible. On the front end, it may not look like it, but looking back, it's like, oh, okay, I know why you made me do that. And the idea is to create structure. And instead of having you know this hallway with doors off to the left and right, it's just one door in front of you. And the door is, here's the training for today. Now you can still, we don't gate access to the training for our agents. But you can go check anything you want. We're just going to tell you to get the most out of the program, make sure you follow the path that we've laid out for you. That was a significant upgrade and allowed our agents to just not spend time wasting on things that they shouldn't be doing and things that don't really matter. So first was that live Zoom support. The second thing that worked well was the structuring, the training, the 100-day challenge. The last sort of lesson that we learned, and this is one of these things, you know, they say, when you know how to read, you can't remember what it was like to not be able to read. It's like, when you look at words, I know what they say. And I've been, for the last five years, my focus has been on helping people generate leads. And again, these are people that make 100K a year. If I can get them a lead, in most cases, they know how to convert them because, hey, they're experienced brokers. But what happened with our rookies is that we showed them how to get referrals, but then I was like, oh, dang it. They don't know how to do a discovery call. And that first call that you do with a client is critical. And then the second call, when you do the strategy session, that's critical too. If you mess one of those two up, it's gone. doesn't matter how many referrals you get, your business will fall apart at those two spots. And so we had to quickly pivot and go, okay, we realize our agents are struggling. We're we're getting the leads, awesome, but we're struggling with what happens with the client conversation. So we created specific training around discovery calls, and strategy calls and we also created some coaching so we have coaches every week even now twice a week there's a discovery call coaching session and a strategy call coaching session and people go into there and they get tuned up on their discovery call and strategy call because it matters it absolutely matters and i say you know this is something i've recently discovered is that there's three sales required to be successful mortgage broker the first sale is the referral source you've got to convince them to work with you right the second sale is to the client you got to convince them to send you the business and you got to convince the client to work with you and then the third sale is to the lender and getting them to say yes to the loan. So any break in that chain and it doesn't work. All right, thanks again for listening to this show and thanks again for listening to the Rookie Podcast. Please share with your friends who are rookies so they can get some you know, insights and ideas for their business. Also, if you're listening to this, I'd encourage you to go check out rookie to rockstarca It's a webinar that I have where I share exactly how we help rookies find and fund their first 10 mortgages go to wikitoroxer.ca, check that out. And thanks again for listening. And I will see you next year on all of our shows that we have planned for you guys.
2: This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.